I'm Candace Lim. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And I think the only person working harder than us is Tree Payne, aka publicist to none other than Taylor Swift. Everywhere I go this week, I am seeing story after photo after seemingly ranch about Taylor Swift, possibly, (laughs) maybe dating Travis Kelsey, who's like a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, do we have any interest in this at all? I mean, many people know this. My interest in Taylor Swift is fleeting at Mm -hmm. best. But I will say this is objectively the hottest man Taylor has dated in a long time. Mm. And so from that regard, I will say, you go, girl. (laughs) You go. I agree. I approve. And I will say, I have never, ever seen such good promo for the NFL. But I do want to talk about something else that's kind of been delighting me on the internet this week. Oh, my God. Is it Kevin James smirking after one double rum and Diet Coke? Yes! Okay, so if you have been on Twitter this week, you have probably seen this singular photo of Adam Sandler bestie Kevin James. It is him in Mm -hmm. character as Doug from the show The King of Queens, and he is just standing in a kitchen, hands in pockets, (laughs) smirking up at the camera like oops. And it is actually a promotional photo from CBS, like it was taken in the Mm -hmm. late 90s, but it has somehow come back. I mean, Rachel, first off, are you a King of queens person Mm, i don't know if i would say i'm a king of queens person but i am aware of the show in the way that i think most people of our generation are aware of the show if you had a cable and would occasionally watch nick at night like Mm. i i've seen an untold number of episodes of king of queens but I don't know if it was ever on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, same thing. You know, I only know the show because it was always accidentally on, on like TV Land or Nick at Night. I do have one friend who her whole thing is she must watch The King of Queens in order to fall asleep, which I fully understand. Mm -hmm. We all have that show. But this photo, (laughs) iconic, I must say. (laughs) I mean, it spurred on this whole meme I guess you could say so Rachel do you have like a favorite tweet that you've seen from this deluge of Kevin James content on the timeline there are so many they're all so funny just because the way that he looks up at the camera is very like oops I did it again (laughs) and so all my favorite ones include something along the lines of just being like I'm just a little guy or me (laughs) after having a mental breakdown and convincing myself that I was dramatic for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I get that expression so strongly. I feel it in my chest. It's like, well... (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) It's very like photographic version of it is what it is, which is kind of Mm -hmm. like the mantra of, I would say, maybe the 20s, our 20s, perhaps. Uh Oh, uh it it, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I will say my favorite thing is that people started digging up other promo pics that CBS made him do. So there's like one of him smirking in a UPS truck because Mm -hmm. he plays a UPS Mm -hmm. driver on the show. And then there's like another one of him climbing out of a pothole we all do that and then there is this great one of him and leah remini she plays his wife on the show and 
I can only describe it as horny times 10, but how would you describe this photo, Rachel? It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It looks like a photo for, like, James Bond or, like, an Oceans movie. Basically, Leah is wearing this, like, stunning two-piece leather set. So it's, like, a crop top bra situation and then this little mini skirt. And she's standing very, you know hips cocked looking so cute and then kevin james is sitting on a bed behind her in a pinstripe suit just like holding on to her Mm -hmm. like his hand is on her waist like his other hand is on her thigh she's like cupping his face in her hand (laughs) and it just it makes no sense yeah why was this steamy bedroom shot necessary for king of queens Again, I've never intentionally watched King of Queens, but I don't remember being particularly horny. Yeah, I mean, and also, this is a CBS sitcom, guys. Like, this is reminding me of, like, Gossip Girl, Vampire Diaries, True Mm -hmm. Blood, when all Mm -hmm. three of those casts would, like, go on a cover and just be straight up naked, like, grabbing each other, which I was totally fine with. CW vibes. But imagine if the Big Bang Theory people did this. It makes no sense. No, exactly. (laughs) It's like, True Blood, it makes sense because those freaks are literally horny every single episode and I loved it truly one of my favorite television shows pivotal but why is Kevin James doing this what Mm -hmm. is going on here I'm so confused yeah I love it I'm so confused I loved it as well and here's the thing Kevin James is trending for good reasons on the internet that's always nice but what if you were trending for bad reasons on the internet you know let's say (laughs) you went on a podcast said something no one asked you about, and now you've dug yourself into a hole. There's so many podcasts, so many podcast episodes, so many podcast controversies that could be described this way. But recently, I will say, this is making me think of not a guest who dug themselves into a hole, but perhaps a podcast host who dug themselves into a hole. I'm thinking about the really good podcast, which is hosted by some woman named Bobby Althoff. And recently, she interviewed Offset, one-third of Migos, Cardi B's husband. The thing about this interview is it's so weird. It's very awkward. Bobby's whole thing is that she plays this character, I guess, who comes off very stiff and cold, like deadpan, very, very dry, very, very, I don't want to be here. Here's Offset asking Bobby why she booked him on her podcast if she doesn't want to be there. Why do you want to get to know me? Um, I didn't. You did. Your team reached out to mine. Don't cap. Let's not cap about that. Let's not put, let's not flex for the ground. Uh-oh. C-A-P. And the thing is, most people are talking about how funny Offset is. Like, I think the way I encountered this video was someone being like, you know what? I really did wonder for a long time what Cardi B and Offset talked about. I understand (laughs) now. Because he is funny. And he handled this, you know, little white woman who was maybe trying to provoke him. Maybe not. Maybe just doing a bit. Who knows? But he handled it really well and honestly came out of it looking pretty good. Yeah, and I think I do remember this woman because she's the person who interviewed Drake, right? Like in his very calabasy, beigey bed a few weeks ago. You missed your daughter's first birthday for To this. be here. Dark. Dark. Regret that you'll never be able to undo. Yeah. Horrible parenting. Where's your son? Somewhere safe and it's not his birthday. 
And apparently that is true, by the way, that she did skip her daughter's first birthday to fly out and interview Drake. So now we're asking a lot of questions like, is she a mom? Does she really act like that? Most importantly, who is she? How did she get an interview with Drake in his house? And we actually have so many more questions than that. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to unpack the Bobby Althoff cinematic universe from her mommy blogger days all the way to interviewing and possibly beefing with Drake. Mm-hmm. All that and more after the break. Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you get no ads on any Slate podcast, including this one. You'll also be supporting the show. ICYMI would not be possible without the support of Slate Plus subscribers. You will also get bonus segments or episodes on shows like Slow Burn, Hang Up and Listen, Dear Prudence, and Big Mood, Little Mood, and... We might just be working on some Slate Plus segments for ICYMI. You'll have to subscribe to find out. You will also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI Plus to sign up. That is slate.com slash ICYMI Plus. And we're back to explain the quite, frankly, mysterious rise of Bobby Althoff. It's the first spooky episode of the year. Mystery, (laughs) intrigue. But before we do that, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our listeners on Spotify. Hello. Um, We have been getting an influx of more listeners from Spotify over the past few weeks. And we wanted to give you a special shout out and also tell you, we have two episodes a week. We come out on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And if you want more ICYMI, and why would you not, please, please, please follow us on Spotify and you'll get all of our episodes in your feed. Thanks. But back to Bobby. Back to what we're here for. Yes. All right. Where do we start, Rachel? All right. So like we said before the break, Bobby is currently an influencer turned podcast host booking some of the most exclusive interviews of our time. I'm talking Drake. I'm talking Offset. I'm talking Mark Cuban. I'm talking Shaq. And she somehow managed to do all of this in about six months of hosting a podcast, which has caused some speculation that Bobby is perhaps an industry plant. Which I get because, you know, I don't think she has more than like 20 episodes of her podcast. So does she have dirt on Mark Cuban? Does she have the same agent as Drake? Like what spell did she cast to book these guests? I don't know, but we need to cast that spell immediately because (laughs) I'm trying to get hosier on this podcast. (laughs) Hello, Andrew. (laughs) But before we get into, you know, casting some spells, we're going to get into the ascent of the really good podcast. But before we do that, we have to talk about what Bobby's online career looked like before April, because that is when her podcast started. Yes, I'm saying April of 2023. So... Like so many white women of a certain age, uh, Bobby started off as a mommy influencer. She has two kids, one born in 2019 and another in 2022. 
And this episode is full of surprises, but I must say the thing that keeps shocking me time and time again is that Bobby is a year younger than me and has two whole children, which I realize is a normal thing to do. I'm not saying it's not, but what? (laughs) (laughs) Wild. Anyway, here's an example of some of Bobby's early content. I don't care what anyone says. There is nothing more embarrassing than walking around with one of these. Everyone knows how it got there. They know what you did. Your gardener, your mailman, your dad, your grandpa, your uncles, your brothers, your trash truck driver, the cashier at the grocery store. They all know it. This was from when she was pregnant with her second child. And I'm not going to lie, like, this is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I was also surprised to find her funny because I think both of us are pretty unamused by her current content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But her parents in the videos consistently got a little chuckle out of me despite the fact that I am as far as possible from becoming a parent right now than I ever was in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one where Bobby's talking about one of the side effects of breastfeeding, which is um, uneven breasts. So like one of your breasts being bigger than the other because of like milk. I want to show you guys what it looks like when your baby who mostly only feeds on one side decides to bless you by sleeping through the night. This guy right here is about to explode. And while this guy has also leaked some milk right there. Happy Sunday. Good morning. I'm going to go milk myself. Um, moo. <laughs> There you go. Another little chuckle. She calls herself a cow, as Doja Cat once did. But she eventually pivoted away from this content, right? Or is she still posting, like, parenting content alongside the podcast? So she has fully pivoted away from parenting content. And Mm. honestly, like, for good reason. She told Teen Vogue that she stopped posting about her children, who she calls Richard and Concrete, to protect their (laughs) privacy. Again, She's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But she told Teen Vogue that she stopped posting about them because she didn't want them to grow up and see mean comments about them on the internet. She says, quote, Richard is not always going to be my little girl. She's going to be a person. She goes on to say, I want her to have the opportunity to write her own story. I've decided to make it my job to entertain people, but it's not my kids' jobs and I don't want to make it their job. See, I can give her credit for that. I can be on Bobby's side about this because honestly, more people, ahem, Lilte's parents should take note. Mm hmm. Like, it's a real choice to make about your children having to face the wrath of the internet before their prefrontal cortex is developed. Mm-hmm. But importantly, making this decision meant that Bobby needed to find a new source of content and fast. And by needed to, I mean she wanted to because her husband is a tech executive and programmer. And if I know anything about tech salaries, it's that I'm pretty sure they're okay on money. That's speculation. Mm -hmm. That's speculation. But I've seen those Google salaries. (laughs) Regardless, Bobby's like, you know what? Let me start a podcast because I heard it makes money. You might be thinking that's a joke. No, that's why she started her podcast. She told Cosmopolitan, quote, I was burnt out from being on my own. I wanted to collaborate with other people, and I was trying to figure out how to make my TikTok page more of a career. Then I was on TikTok one day, and I saw Jenna Pollock's video about how doing podcasts paid all her bills. That night, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. 
gosh. Remember the era where people thought podcasting was extremely lucrative for literally everybody. And then like a year later, the podcasting industry was hit with layoffs after layoffs after layoffs. I do remember. But Bobby didn't. (laughs) Or Bobby just didn't know. Regardless, Bobby had a microphone and a dream. And she started her podcast, which is called The Really Good Podcast. Uh, That is almost as bad of a search term as ICYMI, honestly. (laughs) Listen, Candace, everyone makes mistakes. I wasn't thinking about SEO. But (laughs) (laughs) I was not the only one to make a mistake. Bobby also made mistakes. Her very first interview for the Really Good Podcast was with none other than controversial figure of the summer, Colleen Ballinger. (gasps) Yes. Yes. Shout out to our producer, Sierra, for finding evidence of this interview because it has been scrubbed from YouTube and all the other podcast platforms. But a clip of it still exists on Bobby's Instagram, and it features what is now Bobby's signature interview style. Thank you for wasting my time today. Okay, well, I'm. you asked me to be here, so... No, I didn't. This is your podcast. I didn't just... Okay. I feel like you're lying. You're trying to make me look bad. You've been doing that a lot today. You think this is my... Whose podcast is this? I don't know, but it's just, I know that I didn't ask you to be here. You wanted to be here. You asked me. That did not happen. Yes, it did. I would, I would, I, I'm happy to be here, but I did not ask you if, yes, if you I did. could come to your podcast. You did. I got a message from a Colleen and it said, can I please be on That was a podcast? different Colleen. That wasn't. It was because my name's pronounced Colleen. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Why would you, why would you wait till now to tell me that? Um, you know, you were calling me Miranda, Colleen, all kinds of things. Is so, it, is your name really Colleen? Like Colin? I mean, not. I don't. Most people don't say it like with phlegm in their throat like that aggressively. <laughs> but okay, <laughs> yeah, Colleen. I see why you call yourself Miranda now. That's an embarrassing. Yeah, name. it's not good, isn't it? It's not good. Yeah, I usually don't correct people. I just let people say it wrong. Candace, I know we talked a bit about this, you know, before the break. But how would you describe this interview style? Uh, I think most people would maybe describe it as sort of like April Ludgate-esque affect. And this thing she's doing with Colleen, where she's saying that Colleen, in fact, was the person who reached out to her rather than the other way around. It's kind of become Bobby's signature bit. And it is absurd. It's supposed to be. You know, Bobby is going for something satirical, which is pretty clear from like the description of the show, which reads, quote, the really good podcast is hosted by Bobby Altoff, a social media star with over 80 followers, a master interviewer with weeks of experience interviewing celebrities. Bobby asks the questions that no one wants to know the answers to. I think the wild part of that is that the weeks of experience interviewing celebrities is, in fact, just an accurate statement of the show. It's not even hyperbole. That's not even satire. That's just the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's even more of the truth at the time that she snags her biggest interview with Drake, which comes just a few short months after this Colleen one. In between Drake and Colleen, Bobby employs some really really interesting marketing techniques. Like, fascinating. She told Cosmo that she found booking celebrities to be pretty hard, which, yeah, duh. So she made a video on TikTok saying that she would give $300 to any person who successfully connected her with the celebrity for the podcast. Huh. And this worked? 
This worked. This worked. Someone tagged a comedian named Rick Glassman in her comment sections, and he was like, yeah, sure, why not? Importantly, this was during the summer, so bitches were on strike. So I think some people had some free time, including Rick Glassman. (laughs) (laughs) So Glassman comes on the show, and the woman who tagged him got $300 from Bobby. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Rachel, should we do this? Maybe. (laughs) It worked twice. It didn't just work once. It worked twice. Someone asked Bobby on TikTok if she had ever heard of Funny Marco, who is, you know, another comedian who is also known for this kind of intentionally awkward interview style. And so Bobby, she takes a screenshot of the comment. She posts it on her Instagram stories and she tags Marco saying, hey, Marco, if you want to make this girl $300, DM me, which I feel like is so smart because it's not like, do you want $300? It's do you want someone else to make $300? Uh, like charity. Yeah. Exactly. It's giving Mr. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, Marco had over 4 million followers and Bobby only had about half a mil. So she's like, there's no way he's going to see this. But he does. And he comes on the podcast. And she sends the girl $300. So two people made $300 off of this scheme. So first off, I say we try it. And I think the person I want to try it with, I want to interview Celine Dion, okay? If any one of you guys can hook us up with Celine Dion, we will give you $300 US dollars. <laughs> we work for a company. I don't, know, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know about the Rachel. potentially get fired for bribery we're gonna keep going (laughs) so bobby blows up after this funny marco interview and interestingly enough from here this is where a really fascinating dynamic starts to emerge where bobby switches from basically interviewing pretty much anyone who will come on the show to interviewing almost exclusively black men we'll get into that dynamic later but this trend continues when she lands her biggest interview to date with none other than drake oh okay i know this interview happened because it's like bobby lore at this point but how did it happen candace is fucking wild like even a wilder than $300. <laughs> so the funny Marco video goes viral. It currently has 4.1 million views on YouTube. And it basically just caught the eye of Drake, who thought it was really funny, and then followed Bobby on Instagram. And Bobby is basically like, fuck it, why not? And sends him a DM. And he sends her his touring schedule. And she flies out to Memphis two days later missing her child's first birthday for this which i'm gonna be honest children don't remember their first birthdays but they do remember their mother interviewing drake so i would have made the same choice i (laughs) i don't think we should judge her for this i'm not gonna lie drake sending her his touring schedule i have to imagine that's how taylor and travis got together she was like let me send you the heiress tour schedule and you circle a date yes anyway yes (laughs) this interview with drake is hikey wild not Just that it happened because Drake doesn't really do interviews, but because it takes place in a bed from underneath a blanket. I don't know any other questions. Do you have any other questions? Not really. Not really. It's probably probably best you skedaddle home to be mother of the year, right? Are you going to buy me a flight home? I can do that. 
It's the least I could do. Can it be nonstop? Hmm? Nonstop. Is, was that like a... Was that like a... Like the song? No. What song? The Drake song, nonstop. Do you think it's funny when you reference your own song? No, I thought People you... People can use that word and it doesn't mean your song. <laughs> I just thought that you... We're ending the interview on a note where you were like, uh -huh. ha I actually do know your songs. No. You were just asking I don't for a know flight. your songs. Okay. What's even wilder? This interview is now deleted. The clips we are playing are from a version that was like uploaded to Twitter. Again, shout out to Sierra, like detective extraordinaire mm -hmm. for finding this. It's wild. This interview gets 11 million views on YouTube. It is a coup for Bobby, who, again, just started podcasting about three months before this. But then something happens. And I'm not saying something to be mysterious. I'm saying something <laughs> because we don't know what happened. About a month after the infamous Drake video goes up, Bobby attends a Drake concert and she posts a TikTok where she's just kind of standing, arms crossed, while her friends are vibing around her to the music the caption reads really in my element here at this guy's concert and i think the vibe she's trying to give off is she's like not into the music she's not mm -hmm. dancing at all i mean if drake did see this do you think drake was offended i think the real question to ask is when is drake ever not offended because my man is a sensitive sensitive soul mm -hmm. but the thing is actually no one knows we're all speculating here because what we do know is that their relationship sours after this because she deletes the podcast interview from youtube which is her most viewed episode to date and they unfollow each other on instagram the platform that connected them oh oh my god right Mm -hmm. But the thing is, people are also speculating that this is just a publicity stunt and neither Drake or Bobby have commented. So I don't think we'll ever know until they do another interview from underneath the bedsheet. Who knows? What we do know is that this moment catapults Bobby into another stratosphere of fame. She gets signed to WME, which is one of the biggest celebrity agencies that represents people like Adam Sandler and Bruno Mars and also Malcolm Gladwell and Ronan Farrow because let's diversify our portfolio, bros. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> from there, it's basically gravy for her. She interviews celebrities like Shaq, Mark Cuban, Jay Balvin, Lil Yachty, Charlie Puth. She gets over 30 million views on YouTube because if there's anything we've learned from The Breakfast Club, it's that people will watch a celebrity interview no matter how shitty the interviewers are. <laughs> and in this case, Rachel, do you think Bobby's a bad interviewer? No comment. I will say a lot of people do. A lot of people hate this interview style. Most recently, a video of Bobby interviewing Offset went viral because of this interview style that people hate. I honestly don't know how this came about. I'm not going to lie to you. Me either. Okay. Well, my team could have reached out to yours. I'm not going to. I don't want to make you look bad. They had to show me who Bobby was. I thought they were talking about Bobby Boucher. Never heard of Offset in the my water? life. The water? Yes, you have. I have not. I Googled Damn. you on the way here, and I read something about you. I had to go on TikTok. I couldn't even Google you. Thank you. I was. I had to go TikTok search. I couldn't Google you. Google's not there yet. You're not there yet. But you'll be there. And people weren't happy because whether the style is intentional or not, it comes off as 
untrained and unprepared. And in an era where it is harder than ever for real journalists to land a celebrity interview because celebrities either want softball interviews like this one, or they just want to go to social media rather than submit to actual questioning. The fact that this woman who has started this podcast six months ago is not only so famous, but also so unprepared. It's insulting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Atlantic journalist Jamel Hill summed this up pretty well in a tweet where she wrote, I don't find these types of interviews particularly enjoyable or interesting. Instead, it just sadly points out how real hip-hop journalism has been practically erased. Some of the media teams behind these artists aren't interested in them sitting down with credible people who know how to tell stories and do quality interviews. Then they wonder why an artist's real story goes untold, neglected, or that artist is misunderstood. Man, I mean, that is a really good point. And it really, I think, gets to part of why Bobby's entire thing doesn't sit well with me. And it has to do with the kind of broader ecosystem that this interview style sits in. So we're going to get into that ecosystem after a short break. And we're back. So I don't, I feel like I said this on the show before. I'm not really a comedy person. That's a really broad thing to say, but I really, (laughs) I love a rom-com, but I'm Mm -hmm. not really, I don't do comedy podcasts. I don't really watch comedians for fun. However, I will say after watching a bunch of Bobby's videos, I can't help but feel like she just reminds me of like a lot of other people. Mm, Yeah, I got the same vibe because, you know, off the bat, Bobby has spoken to Cosmopolitan and Teen Vogue, and she said that she is aware that her style is reminiscent of other people's shticks. One of the things that still threw me is that she said that her podcast was kind of based off of how I built this. Okay. And she said that the reason she even landed the Funny Marco interview is because Rick Glassman, a comedian, said she reminded him of Funny Marco because they apparently both have these very, like, stiff and deadpan characters. I would hope me and you can do something together one day. A movie? Yeah. I do, too. Yeah, I really think it could be dope. It should be called Tinder Going Wrong, where we meet on Tinder, and then we find out you're not my type, I'm not your type. But we're already on it. I don't believe that I'm not your type. And by the way, his wish came true because they are literally doing live shows in October together. Seriously, you can buy tickets now. This is giving manifestation. Mm-hmm. Manifest destiny. <laughs> anyway, I see the resemblance. But I will say the other person I've been seeing comparisons to is Amelia de Moldenberg, a.k.a. Chicken Shop Date Girl. I love Amelia. Have I watched an entire video of hers? No. Do I love every (laughs) single clip I see that passes my social media feeds? Yes. Here's my favorite clip from her date with Jack Harlow. Can you read? What the hell is this? Do you, sorry, I meant, do you like to read? I do. Yeah, so I want to talk about this because the Evening Standard over in the UK, they published this piece recently called The Death of the Rude YouTube Interview. Bobby Altoff proves the Amelia de Moldenberg format is over. Which is such a strong thing to say. Yeah. I want to ask you because you're an Amelia stan. Like, yeah, you love her. I also feel like you're more well-versed in this kind of ecosystem that we're talking about. So before we kind of get into whether or not this format is actually over, I want to ask, 
What does Amelia do well that Bobby doesn't? Because there is something. There's something. It's different. Like, I get what people are making the comparison, but it's not the same. There's something about Amelia that I think has always kind of, like, appealed to these YouTube masses. You know, first off, she hosts a show, Chicken Shop Date, where she basically interviews celebrities in chicken shops. Uh, I don't know if there's a clear U.S. equivalent, but... They sell chicken nuggets and wings. Very cute. Very casual. Very casual. And the whole premise of the show is Amelia plays this character who's like awkward and bumbling and like kind of a journalist, kind of not. And she like goes on these dates where she kind of tries to like ask them about their dating lives and personal lives. But... I notice that Amelia always kind of allows herself to be the butt of the joke. She never tries to pretend that she, like, doesn't know who H is. She doesn't know who Jack Harlow is. She very much does some legwork in order to get there and to book that interview. When I look at Amelia, I see someone who's kind of doing two things at once. I think first she is projecting a character who kind of has to be a little standoffish but she still smiles at the guests she still kind of like tries to set them up in an environment that makes both of them win I also see a producer side of her I see this kind of side of her being like okay how can I get the best tape out of them how can I cut this to make it funnier how do I get the shot of the chicken frying in contrast to this and I think that is harder than it seems but even if it's harder than it seems, I think the popularity of it has made people like Bobby be like, well, I can do it too. It's so easy. Just be rude. Just be rude to famous people. I can do that too. And I don't think that is the key. I think the thing about Amelia that I understand from what I've seen of her is exactly what you're saying, which is that the awkwardness doesn't come from Amelia pretending that she doesn't know who the celebrity is. Mm -hmm. The awkwardness comes from Amelia knowing who the celebrity is and wanting to impress them. Like the butt of the joke at the end of the day is Amelia. It's not the celebrity. And I think that's what makes it so charming because it lets people kind of imagine what they would be like on a date with a celebrity. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Bobby has literally said that she does not prepare for her interviews at all. She says that's why guests come on her show because it's informal and laid back and they're not going to get the typical questions that they get when people prepare for interviews. But I don't buy that. I want to ask you as someone who is, you know, well-versed in this ecosystem, I feel like there's a kind of spectrum, right, of interviewers who are not journalists, which I really feel like need to hammer home None of these people are journalists. (laughs) Interviews with journalists are quite different. We don't send questions beforehand. And if we do, it's usually frowned upon. So these people who are not journalists do occasionally do really good interviews. There are people who are just good interviewers and it's a different thing. So we have people like Caller Daddy's Alex Cooper. We have Imrata. We have Dax Shepard. But we also have Amelia. We have Zach Galifianakis from Between Two Ferns, who I actually kind of think maybe pioneered this style mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We have Z-Way, who is doing something kind of like this, but still different. How would you kind of arrange the spectrum? Like, what's on one end? What's on the other end? What's the overlap? Yeah, I think what really ties all these people together, and the reason I even put them on the same spectrum, is just caliber of guest, meaning they somehow, I don't know how, get to book A-listers, popular people who are controversial. I don't know how they do it. 
But I'm going to say this. I think on one spectrum of people who do it badly, call her daddy, Emrata Dax Shepard. My whole thing with Dax Shepard is just that he is a bad interviewer because he always tries to make himself the guest. Now, on the other side of people who do it well, I'm going to put Z-Way on there. I think one thing about Z-Way, though, is that her show, it came from kind of like an IG Reels show where she would interview people and she was probably doing a lot of the writing and production behind the scenes on her show. She had a team of writers, so they also deserve some credit for kind of like helping create that dynamic. But I think Z-Way did it well. She knew how to like be a character, be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but also book guests who would come back. Zach Galifianakis, also another situation where it's like he had a whole team behind him, but his whole deadpan thing was quite funny. I do like watching clips of his show. And I put Amelia on that side too. I think what Amelia does, she does it really well to the point where now, guys, she was like on the red carpet of the VMAs and the BAFTAs. Like she is now becoming red carpet correspondent level and she's kind of taking her shtick but putting it there, which I also think is hard. So I put them there. I'm going to put someone else in this bucket who is Sean Evans of Hot Ones. But the only reason I'm saying that is because he is someone who very often talks about the amount of research he does to talk to his guests. You know, he often is known for having guests being like, how did you find that? I can't believe that. You know, he has his own Sierra. And on top of that, Sean gets these high caliber guests. His show has now become this like award campaign stop, which is hilarious. But I do think he does it well and deserves to be in that spot. And so... That's kind of the spectrum here. Now, the question we're really asking is, where does Ms. Bobby land? I don't even want to put Bobby in this ecosystem, but unfortunately, if we have to, (laughs) I'm going to put her on the call her daddy side. I just think that something that we've kind of been circling around, something that Jamel Hill said very well, is just the fact that she is someone who so unabashedly comes to her interviews with no prep. And yes, she literally acknowledged that she is, quote, the worst journalist, but there is something about the way that she is okay with wasting people's time that I don't Mm -hmm. think I fuck with because I know there are other people who would have used that time better. I think that's the thing is just like, it feels like a waste of everybody's time Mm -hmm. because you watch these interviews and at least when you're watching Amelia, you know that you're going to get, if not hard hitting journalistic questions you're gonna get charming moments Mm -hmm. you're going to get the jack harlow moment you're gonna get her and kehlani vibing together you're gonna get her and andrew garfield vibing together you're gonna see legitimate chemistry between these two people whereas there's no chemistry intentionally with Mm -hmm. bobby because she's placing herself kind of above it yes When it's like, what have you done to earn being above it? And if you are above it, the way that I see it, if you're above it, then you're critiquing celebrity culture. But you're not doing that either. So why are you above it? You're not famous and you're not critiquing it. So what is the point? How did this happen? Mm -hmm. And I think it happened because she's a pretty young white woman. Yeah. That's my hot take. I think that's honestly... Very true. And I think something that I kind of wanted to ask you, perhaps, is the fact that, you know, does her being a pretty young white woman have anything to do with this quote unquote success? And also, does it make anyone else kind of uncomfortable that she is booking interviews with mainly predominantly famous men of color, except for Charlie Puth? 
And she is walking in unprepared. She is low-key wasting their time. Like, I just keep thinking, what is she trying to get from this? Because this is a perfect definition of clout chasing. It is. And it does make me uncomfortable. I watch these interviews, specifically the one with Offset, Mm -hmm. and it just feels disrespectful to these people's careers and again in a time where hip-hop journalism is kind of at an all-time low all these magazines are closing all these sites are closing what's left is clout chasing websites who don't do real rigorous journalism it's really insulting knowing that a lot of my friends who are like black women journalists who work in this industry who are trying to get real interviews with these stars are basically left for dead in favor of Bobby. And I can't say it's on Bobby. All these people are agreeing to these interviews. Like Offset knew what he was walking into. Most of these people knew what they were walking into. Drake knew what he was walking into. And so it just feels like this kind of perfect encapsulation of what's wrong with hip-hop journalism right now, which is stars who don't want to be questioned, and then the people who are willing to fill in the role of interviewer without actually putting themselves at risk of alienating their interview subject. Like, Bobby honestly is not really the problem here, because if she was, none of these people would go on her show, but they do. Yeah, I think that's true, too, because unfortunately, whatever Bobby is doing, it is being rewarded and it is going her way. You know, in one of her interviews with Cosmopolitan and Teen Vogue, she said that she actually wants to go into acting like she actually wants to be an actor. And so for her to get signed to WME, okay, to be signed to an agency that has connections to those directors, producers, actors, blah, blah, blah. She is unfortunately going down the path she really wanted to. And This actually kind of brings me to this other person she reminds me of, you know, in one of her interviews, she talks about how she defines herself as an entertainer and comedian. And the person she actually reminds me of is Jordan Schlansky from Conan's TBS show. So Jordan Schlansky is the associate producer of Conan, but he's kind of become this like offshoot figure that's very popular because he would do these like remotes or like little side segments with Conan where he basically plays this very serious, deadpan, nonchalant person who works for Conan, but does not give a shit about Conan. And they've created some really funny moments together. They still talk on Conan's pod together. And the question people keep asking is, is Jordan really like that? Is he really that wall of a person and that's kind of when I was like oh my god this totally reminds me of Bobby but the real issue is that Jordan Schlansky is in the industry he's in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. he works for a comedian he knows how to kind of play and work those he knows how to produce himself Bobby I do not think has the skills to accomplish what she wants to accomplish which is being a character I don't think she has it I think Addison Rae in fact is a better actor than her (laughs) Okay, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review in Apple or Spotify. And tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, who is Bobby going to interview next? And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. 
ICYMI is produced by Sarah Spragley-Ricks, Candice Slim, and me, Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online. Or at the chicken shop. <laughs>